We come to a conclusion today of our study on the seven deadly sins. And I know one friend in particular is very thrilled that we are because every week we've had a little devil on the front of the bulletin for seven weeks. And they don't want that to become the church mascot. So I promise that's the last time that that will be on the front of the bulletin. Thanks for your faithfulness in this study. So far we, we began with sloth. And then we went to lust. And then anger. Pride. Envy. And then the week before homecoming, gluttony. Homecoming last week. And then today, greed. Before we go further, let's pray. Lord, you have a lot in your word to say about greed. And we, in our lives, have seen it all too often. Father, being Christian and being greedy should be polar opposites. Help us to be giving of not only our things, but our love. Be with us this day in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we look at Scripture, I want us to look at a survey that was done quite a while back. In the book, The Day America Told the Truth by... James Patterson and Peter Kim, a lot of surveys were given. And one of the questions was, what are you willing to do for $10 million? What are you willing to do for $10 million? Now, with the lottery payout being 700 and something, and some of you had sugar plums dancing in your head thinking about that event, when, when something like that happens, you can learn a lot about yourself by thinking, what would you do with the money? Is it all about you? Or would you give it away and try to help other people? Back to the question, what would you do for $10 million? 25% of the people surveyed said they would abandon their families. I've met families like that. But anyway, 25% say they would abandon their families. 23% said they would become a prostitute for a week for $10 million. 7% would murder a stranger. So next time you're around 100 people, seven of them, 25% would abandon their church. 16% would give up their American citizenship. 16% would leave their spouses for $10 million. 10% said they would withhold testimony and let a murderer go free. 3% said they would put their children up for adoption for $10 million. This survey was 26 years ago. What do you think it would be today? You think we've gotten better as a society? Probably not. I suspect the percentages would be even worse now. So, greed in our society is a problem. And God knew it would be, and so He addresses money a great deal in Scripture. A great deal. 
There are over 2,000 verses on money and possessions in the Bible. More than most any other topic. Why? Well, because God knew we would need that teaching. Because greed is a common problem and what people would do for money and are willing to do for money can be crazy. So what does scripture say? 1 Timothy 6.10 is a logical place to start. A very logical place to go. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. You notice it says not money is the root of all evil. That's a misquote that happens all too often. It says the love of money is evil. Money is amoral. It doesn't do anything. Money is like a brick. With a brick you can build a hospital or an orphanage or you can hit somebody in the head. A brick's not good or bad. Money's not good or bad. It depends what you do with it. And if you love it, then trouble comes. So as we begin, greed is not a financial issue. It's a heart issue. And because of greed, there are people that are willing to give up family, are willing to give up reputation, are willing to give up ministry, are willing to give up health because of greed. Greed gives permission for possessions to possess us. It's a cancer to contentment that eats away at its victims by fostering a craving for money and for things. Greed is the love of money or objects. It's a condition where enough is never enough. I grew up a Christian and I was taught about giving and loving and serving. And I've tried to be careful with this, and I've never really had an awful lot to be greedy about, but I did have one thing once upon a time. I had a Martin D35 guitar, and it was wonderful, and I loved it. And I sang for Jesus with it, and then I would set it down at a youth rally or something, and some of those kids would touch my guitar. It made me mad. And then we began to have children, and Taylor dared to touch my guitar, the two-year-old. And I started to laugh about that guitar because I don't know if I possessed it. I think it possessed me. And so I sold the guitar, and I got something that Taylor could push around the den in and play with. And now Taylor plays the guitar for Jesus, and I'm glad he does, but I could have blown it had I shown greed about it. People say that money's never a problem until you don't have any or until you fall in love with it. And that's probably true. But those that fall in love with it end up lying for it and lusting for it and killing for it and even going to hell for it. Greed is loving something more than you love God. And that's a horrible place to put something. That's what it says in Colossians 3, 5. Look at this. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. And then at the end of the list, don't be greedy. For a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. That's the danger of greed. 
A greedy person is an idolater. They're putting something in the place of God. And that's a no-no. A Boston woman, and you see stories like this all too often. A Boston woman named Casey announced to her friends that she had ovarian cancer. Her friends rushed to help her and they prayed with her and they cried with her and they helped her in every way that they could. After a few months, she told them that her treatment at the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute in Boston was not working and she was going to have to go out of the country for experimental treatments and it wasn't going to be covered by insurance. So her friends got together and did a fundraiser. And they raised over $40,000 for her trip. And then guess what happened? She wasn't sick. It was a scam. She was doing this to raise money. She cut her hair to make it look like she'd gone through chemo. She took her money and bought a car. And then with the money they raised, she bought, went on a fancy vacation. When her friends found out, obviously they were devastated. And you know I'm not making this up because you see this stuff on the news all too often. She was taken to court. At the trial, one of her friends said she had a disease far worse than cancer. She had the disease of greed. That's well put, isn't it? That's well put. Cancer can take your body. Greed can take your soul. Look what Jesus tells us in Matthew 6, beginning in verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust consume, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consumes, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There we see again that greed is a matter of the heart. Exactly how far can it take us? I found this really sad quote, uh, an article about billionaire Leona Helmsley, written at some point before her death in 2007, on just how far she would go for money. She owned a string of hotels, I'm reading now. She owns the Empire State Building. She's a billionaire. Yet in September 1989, Leona Mindy Rosenthal Helmsley was convicted on 33 counts of tax evasion for which she spent time in prison. According to Time Magazine, she emerged as a penny-pinching tyrant who tried to still to stiff just about everybody. No amount of money was too small to fight over. After the sudden death of her only son at age 40 in 1982, she sued and won the lion's share of his estate of 149000 leaving his four children and widow homeless and insolvent. Hard to believe? It happens all too often. Unfortunately, we hear stories like this. As we were getting ready to worship and my friend Morris Moore came in, if you want to know about some stories of greed and how we'll tear up a family, Talk to your local funeral director. They can tell you some stories. Maybe you've seen some yourself. One day Jesus was asked to settle a dispute over a family, over an inheritance. 
Luke tells us the story in chapter 12. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. Let's just stop there for just a second. Anytime a family has an inheritance, it always goes really smoothly, doesn't it? They all get along just really well, don't they? Sometimes it can be difficult if you've seen it. So, Jesus, you need to help us with this. Jesus said, responded to a friend who sent me to be a judge or arbitrator over you. And then Jesus said this. Take care. Be on guard against all kinds of greed. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. That's great words. Be on your guard and we all have to always. For one's life does not consist in what you have. It's interesting, the two funerals I mentioned as we began in prayer time. I mentioned J.W. Self, and then I mentioned Johnny Self. And whenever I find out that somebody has passed, I have one question that I want answered. Only one. And you know what the question is. Did they know Jesus? Were they a Christian? That's all that matters. I don't ask what they have in the bank. I don't ask how big their house was. I don't ask what kind of car they have. All I want to know is did they have a relationship with Christ? I was a young pastor in Mississippi, just beginning. And we were invited to a house not far from the church to visit church members. And I remember the man, Mr. James, standing up at church one time talking about how rich he was. His house said otherwise. For a while, as I sat in his home and looked around, and please forgive me, I was a little spiritually immature at the time in my early 20s. I sat there and looked around and for a while I thought he was wrong. But then I opened my spiritual eyes and realized how rich he really was. He had a great wife. He had a wonderful daughter. He had his health. He had a church family that loved him. He was rich. He was rich. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. It means nothing. I'm glad that I learned early what true wealth really is. But in our world, it can be greedy. Some never, ever learn. So what's the cure for greed? Just a couple of things that will help. Gratitude and generosity. Gratitude about gratitude, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 tell us this. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. And be thankful in all circumstances. For this is the God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Follow these words and that will keep you from greed. A greedy person is not joyful. If you've known them, they are not joyful. 
They aren't praying to God because they've replaced God with possession. So they're not thankful. Now for generosity. In Paul's letter to Timothy, we find these words in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money for good. They, that they should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they'll be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future, so that they may experience true life. Giving to others is one of the ways we lay up treasure in heaven by being generous with everything we have. My son Taylor works for a rich man, Dave Ramsey, in Nashville, Tennessee. Dave is very successful and is very generous and very thankful too. Every Christmas, Dave has a Christmas party for his employees. And Tyler and Stephanie look forward to the Christmas party every year. Dave rents a convention center in Nashville and he flies in a world-renowned chef and they have fabulous food and then they have the presents. There's about 600 employees now and last year every employee got a $1,000 gift card. If you have a calculator handy, determine that $600,000 just in the presence without the phone. Dave arranged for the target near his office to be opened early one morning just for his employees. So Taylor and Stephanie get up bright and early before Christmas and go to Target just for the Ramsey employees with their $1,000. And Dave is riding through the aisles on a bicycle telling everybody Merry Christmas. And Taylor said Dave was just as happy as he and he just given away $600,000. That's not normal. But neither is the love of God. And neither is the generosity of Christ who gave his life for us. So last year, they also, at the party, called some employees up to the front. And I remembered a few of the stories. There are more than these. One of the employees was a part-time youth worker at their church. They worked for Dave Monday to Friday, and on Saturday and Sunday, they were youth ministers at their church. I don't know if it was a female employee or a male employee, but they, together with their spouse, worked at the church. Dave called that employee up in front and gave them keys to a brand-new 15-passenger van so they could use it in their ministry to the church. When an employee had a tough year with a sick child, they used all their vacation days, as you can do, taking care of family. The child had made a recovery, and so Dave called the employee up and gave them two more weeks of vacation, airline tickets and hotel tickets and tickets to Disneyland to take their kids. Another had some medical problems. They called them up front and they paid their hospital bills that insurance did not come. Dave had money. 
but he loves God first and he's grateful and he's generous with all the seven deadly sins the cure is putting God first and when we do that wonderful things happen and we become givers and examples and prayers and helpers and the world's a better place. Bless you for your faith. I hope people are talking about you and what you're doing. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your spirit to guide us and to teach us to transform us. In a world when we can be tempted, where things can be difficult, help us to live as bright lights in the darkness. Help our lights to shine because we love you. Father, in this time of baptism, we thank you for the example before us. And we pray that it will sow seeds in our lives so we can be obedient as well. Father, thank you for the gift of today. Help us to be grateful and generous because we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Bill is Garland. The ladies are going to play a song in just a moment so we can go ahead and, and get dressed and get ready for our baptism. And so if you'll just humor us and give us a couple of moments, we will see you in just a moment. Once you pray for Bob during this time.
Father, because of your obedience, because of your profession of faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior long ago, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Buried with Christ in baptism, and raised to walk in the newness of life.